want to open your Bibles and uh, uh, follow along there, Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 15 through 21. I want to read those verses, and it, I think it's just really speaking to us today. Of course, the Bible speaks to us every day. It's not like some days it doesn't speak to us and some days it does. It speaks to us every day. But uh, this passage, I think, is especially poignant in how we are to interpret the days in which we live. Now, uh, several Sundays ago, probably back in uh, the previous year, we uh, talked about, you know, whether or not we are living in the last days. And uh, the answer to that question is emphatically yes. Yes, we are living in the last days. And we, uh, we just believe that the events and the prophecies of Scripture are more relevant each and every day as we interpret the world around us. And Ephesians 5 is speaking to this. So if you want to follow there, starting at verse 15, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly or carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, we've been talking the last several weeks about, you know, the church that uh, we dream of attending and being part of, and, and really, Ephesians is still kind of filling and informing that thought, what that looks like, and uh, what Paul is writing the Ephesian church here, you know, that as we see these things coming on, you know, in, in time and, and all, this is what the church is supposed to look like, is that we're not to be doing unwise things, but speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord, giving thanks for all things and submitting to one another in the fear of God. That's what the church is to look like. That's how we are to function. Now, I really, when we sometimes talk about things that are and things that we see on the horizon, it, there's always this sort of uh, misgiving on my part that, uh, you know, I don't want to feel like we're trying to gin up some sort of fear. And, and that's certainly not the case. And let me say this, in Christ, there is no reason to fear. Now, we either believe scripture or we don't believe it. And if we believe it, we know that Jesus has our back. We know that Jesus is going to cover us. We know that as we follow him and look to the scripture, look at the word of God, is that we'll always be led in the right direction. And so we want to underscore that. But, you know, there comes a point, you know, when we, when we look around us and we think, okay, there's lots of signs here the point to the, if you will, the chapter of, of life that we are in, and we, you know, can maybe feel a little bit vulnerable at times. That's probably natural. But if we continue to live as wise and not as fools, as Ephesians here is, is speaking to us, you know, we, uh, we continue to just kind of keep our, our finger on the pulse. I know, I know we all face urgency fatigue. Isn't that true? I mean, we've been through two years of urgency, you know, and, and heightened awareness, you know, COVID, and that's still a factor. There's still things that uh, we need to be careful of and, and whatnot. But after a time, 
there's an urgency fatigue and we just want to relax. We just don't want to, you know, we want to turn off the news or we want to, you know, just not know about anything else. And we just kind of want to keep going and, and living our life. But uh, the truth of the matter is, you know, we're seeing things take place in our day that I believe we, we need to be aware of. You know, there's more violence across a wider swath of our country than ever before. I, uh, just some really disheartening things reported just this last week. You know, you don't have to go looking for this stuff. It just comes to you. And, you know, there are 12 states, 12 states in, in the past year that set record numbers of murders in their states. 12 states, record numbers. More people murdered and homicide, you know, and, and across the board, uh, homicide is up 30% in our country. Carjackings, drug dealings, death, riots, all these things are hitting levels not seen in decades and as a whole, never before. We've never seen this widespread of difficulty that um, we saw. And Jesus described this in Luke 17, 26. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. So what did it look like in the days of Noah? That's the question we are led to, right? So it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when the coming of the Son of Man is. Well, that's described in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. It says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And we're, we're seemingly seeing that. And I know there's been evil times. I know there's been, you know, terrible times. And, uh, you know, but this is one of the signs that I think we, we need to be aware of. And, uh, you know, that's like living in a, in a place like the Kenai Peninsula. We feel a little insulated from that. But, you know, it, it's not far away. And we see, you know, things going on like we've never seen them before. Interesting, again, it's a thing that we don't feel much, but it is kind of hanging over our collective heads. American consumer debt increased $1 trillion uh, during the pandemic. The last couple of years, the amount of money that the average citizen is borrowing, credit cards, if you will, loans, and, and that sort of thing, increased $1 trillion in the last couple of years. Inflation for January is 7.5%. We haven't seen that in over 40 years. Our nation just recently, they posted that we have just past the $30 trillion mark in uh, debt as a nation. And that is a very nuanced sort of figure. They say the real debt, and if we were to include unfunded spending, that uh, we, we're just printing money, we don't have any collateral for that, we're just making money up out of thin air, that the, the real number is $123 trillion dollars not 30 123 trillion dollars if we count all of the things that america is on the line for that number is so far beyond our understanding we have nothing to compare that number to it's not like you could say you know if you stack dollar bills you know one on top of each other you could go to the moon you know 20 times with that many dollars it's beyond our comprehension. We have no idea of what that number is. And because of that, our currency is under attack. You know, we've always, you know, been happy to spend our dollars. But beyond things like counterfeiting and all of that, the integrity of the dollar 
due to our obscene national debt is, is shaky. Uh, you know, there's great attempt to the dollar. The reason why the dollar is so strong and the dollar is so coveted and, and uh, so many people put their trust in the dollar is that the reserve com- uh, it is the reserve currency of the world. In other words, uh, to buy a barrel of oil, if you live in another country, you have to take your, your money, whether it's the, you know, the pound sterling or whether it's uh, the mark or whether you know, it's, the, it's a, another form of currency, and you have to convert it into U.S. dollars, and then you can buy your barrel of oil. And that's what the reserve currency does. And because of that, the U.S. dollar has been so coveted and, and looked at like such a safe haven because the world comes to us with their dollars or with their money and buys our dollars. And uh, that keeps us in this state of, of uh, strength with the uh, reserve currency. And that's been that way for about 100 years. But there's some things that pose a threat to that. The Chinese yuan is competing to become the reserve currency of the world. And uh, that, of course, remains to be seen. And uh, if, and if the dollar is replaced as the reserve currency of the world, life is going to change like we've never known it in our lifetimes. You know, the cashless society, it's a current and maybe uh, not so future uh, possibility. Uh, when our dollars and coins become obsolete, then we're at our most vulnerable. All of your money is only a figment of electronic imagination. If you, uh, you know, fear the collapse of the dollar and you, you, know, you, you have dollars in cash at home, if you don't have any dollars in cash at home, at least that, are, you know, that aren't, are obsolete, all they have to do is turn off the, or pull the plug on your bank account and you have nothing and you have nothing. So there's, there's some things poised out there. And I, like I said, I'm not trying to gin up any fear here. But the truth of the matter is, when the Bible talks about the coming of the Antichrist, and, and he's known as the beast in, in Scripture and prophecy, uh, the truth of the matter is the beast system is here. Okay, It's in place. It's not coming. It's not future. It is here. And our, our leaders let it slip all the time that the, you know, we are living in the new world order and it's just waiting in the wings and our national sovereignty is, but really uh, at times it seems like a thin facade that could be taken away at any time. You know, those are financial signs of the times, if you will. But on a spiritual level, the rise of militant homosexuality you know, the only way homosexuality can survive is by evangelization, okay? Uh, homosexuals don't reproduce themselves, if you will. They have to evangelize uh, our, our nation and, our, and especially our youth. I was just reading this week. Again, I don't have to go looking for this stuff. It just comes. Uh, university campuses uh, are celebrating sex week, which uh, they promote students having sex. And that's an open thing, and it doesn't matter with who or where or whatever. And communicating appreciation for Planned Parenthood as, as abortion providers and uh, making all this wonderful stuff you know, available to our young people. They uh, tell us that uh, Russia could invade Ukraine uh, within a day. You know, our, our embassy in Ukraine is closing today. They're getting everybody out of there. They've been warning Americans in Ukraine to, to flee the country. And now it's to the urgent point. And, you know, it's like if you saw what happened in Afghanistan, 
15,000 Americans got left behind in Afghanistan. They're warning the same thing, is that if you don't get out now before the invasion, is that we aren't coming for you. And, and there's, there's a new reality to that. So, you know, both Russia and China are seeking to aggressively expand their nations. You know, Russia, Russia's is on the border of Ukraine, and, and uh, many are thinking that might be a cover action to China taking over Taiwan. And, uh, and let me say this, is that world wars have been started on dumber things than that. And so these are things of great concern to us. And, you know, we feel a little bit insulated from that because the United States, at least in a, in a very practical way, has never been invaded before. We, our Lucian Islands have been invaded during uh, World War II, but... Uh, in places where nobody was living, essentially. And so, you know, here in our safe haven of the mainland of, you know, you, the United States of America, we've never been invaded. And so we feel a little insulated from this. But Russia and China have pledged, and, and this was just two weeks ago, uh, have made a pact, have made a treaty with each other to offer unlimited support to each other should things escalate beyond just them taking over Taiwan and, and Ukraine. So, you know, when the United States has damaged itself as the world's protector and leaving our citizens in Afghanistan to suffer their fate, you know, of all people, the Taliban. Who is the Taliban? You know, Taliban's not a country. Taliban isn't, isn't a, a world force. And yet they, they beat the United States out of Afghanistan and have taken over. And, you know, it's just Taliban's a ragtag militia. And yet it has successfully defied the United States and it has emboldened our enemies. So are you just ready to check out, resign yet? <laughs> Have I painted the picture a little too dark today? I pray that, you know, change uh, will come and, and uh, these things will be resolved. And that is our prayer. But why do I bring it all up? Why do I even want to talk about it? You know, uh, it's easy to just preach about pleasant trees, you know? It's easy to just kind of talk about things that, you know, we can talk about praying more, and, and, I, and I will say we, we will need to pray more. <laughs> you know, we talk about, you know, fun things like reading your Bible through and, and uh, getting your kids in Sunday school, and all those are nice and good things. Don't, don't get me wrong. But, you know, when we see things on the horizon, and, and as Ephesians says, you know, this is not a time to be living as fools, but walk circumspectly. That tells us is that we need to, to be aware. We, we need to pay attention to what's going on. And, and why? Because we want to be prepared. It behooves us to become the church like never before. And I believe in a time of trouble, the importance of church will increase. And, you know, it, you know where we come together for at least encouragement. I, I think one of the number one needs uh, in our communities and in our whole country and the whole world right now is encouragement. We need some good news, huh? We need to know that uh, things are going to be okay. And I want to tell you today, things are going to be okay. Why? How can I say that? Am I just placating you here? No, because Jesus is in charge, right? And if we believe our Bibles, if we believe the Word of God, we believe that He is going to get us through whatever comes. And we can put our trust in Him. So, 
We're instructed to redeem the time. What, what does that mean to redeem the time? It, it means to use our time wisely and not get off track or forget what our mission is or, or become lazy towards what we are to become. Remember, uh, we're always in the process of becoming. And, you know, the church is, is full of imperfect people, but we are imperfect people who are always becoming more perfect, okay? And, you know, if, if you're in a class of people like myself, I mean, it's going to take a long time to get to perfection, okay? But I pray this, is that the, the person I am today is better than a person that I once was. The person that I am tomorrow will be better than the person I am now. And, and as we continue to become like Christ, we are becoming, we are perfecting in, in the things of God. And, and that's how we redeem the time. And that's how we are to live our lives and uh, become the church and, and begin to support one another like never before. You know, we've lived in a time where we really haven't needed that. You know, we get along pretty well and things are great. And we, we pray that things continue to be wonderful and good. Uh, don't think we have any, any sort of wish for uh, anything but that. But I believe that now is the time for the church to become the church like never before and remember what our mission is. Remember, we have, we have two missions. We have the external mission to go and evangelize the world, to make disciples, baptize them, and, and disciple them in the things of God. And we have the internal mission, which is to love one another and to bring encouragement and relationship uh, with each other. And you know, in good times, that seems less necessary than ever because, you know, we have our needs met and whatever. But I believe days are coming where that will become more necessary, more intentional. We'll have to be more intentional about fulfilling that. Romans 13 and verses 11 through 13. I want to read this. And it says, And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. Okay? I know urgency fatigue is heavy on us, you know. If you remember the, the parable Jesus spoke of the ten virgins, you know, the five wise and the five unwise virgins. Well, the ones who were unwise, what, what happened to them? Well, they weren't vigilant and they fell asleep and uh, their lamps failed. And while they were out trying to procure more fuel for their lamps, the bridegroom came and the five who were ready and prepared and waiting went on in and uh, were included in the marriage uh, supper. And uh, those who were fatigued were left out. So, Paul writes, and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly, as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, and not in strife and envy. So what does it mean to live as, as wise and not as unwise? Well, uh, it's interesting, both passages in Ephesians 5 that we read earlier, be not drunk with wine, wherein it's dissipation, dissipation. and uh, in here in, in Romans, it says, you know, let's, let's not live in drunkenness and, and all of that, you know, it's to avoid wine. You know, here's, here's my pastoral uh, counsel to you, okay, is we can avoid the abuse of alcohol. If, if there is one thing, I remember I sat on a, in a local police panel and we had some police and, and had several leaders in the community there. And I just asked this question, this is just a, 
Uh, and it was a serious question. Uh, they talked about all kinds of crime, you know, that, uh, you know, they have to deal with on a, on a regular basis in our community, you know, lots of domestic violence and, and uh, drug abuse and, and, you know, so on and so forth and all these sort of uh, things. And I, and I raised my hand and I asked the, the police officers, I said, I'm just curious, if alcohol was taken out of the picture, what would happen to your caseload? And spontaneously, and all of them all at once laughed. <laughs> they laughed. They, they said, oh, if you took alcohol out of the picture, we'd have nothing to do. <laughs> they, I, they, they said, honestly, our, our caseload would go down by 80%. And I thought, okay, well, that tells us something. Does that not tell us something? And, uh, and, and Scripture is very consistent about how we handle alcohol. And I tell you, the safest stance towards alcohol is abstinence, okay? Uh, that is by far the safest way to handle alcohol. It's just not consume any. I do realize that Scripture makes allowance for the use of some alcohol and, and uh, all that, but it always tells us not to be drunk. And what is dissipation? It is, I, I looked it up, I thought, you know, that's a word that we don't use. Did you use the word dissipation sometime this week in your conversation? Not a word I use very much. So I looked it up, and uh, dissipation means the squandering of money, energy, or resources. Okay? You know, when we, when we misuse alcohol, dissipation happens. Okay? It will ruin us. And uh, that's always the counsel of the Scripture. Uh, you know, I, I may be going a little too far in recommending abstinence, but that's uh, served me really well. And, you know, I have never wrecked a car uh, because I was drunk. I have never had a DUI because I was drinking and driving. I have never, what else happens when you get drunk? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> because I've never drank. And uh, you know how much I've missed in life? Nothing. <laughs> and so that's, that's my stance, is abstinence. And that's pastoral counsel, it's pastoral advice. You know, you can read the Scripture and, and you know, determine what, uh, what that is for you. But the Scripture does say, do not be drunk. And, you know, it's always been interesting to me is that uh, the more you drink, the less ability you have to make that decision. And so the safest uh, approach to alcohol is abstinence. So anyways, that was free, okay? That was not part of the sermon. That was just free. That's an extra. You got it today because you came to church. All right. Don't you feel special? All right. But what are we to do? Understand what the will of the Lord is. And what is the will of the Lord? Well, first of all, it says that we are to be filled with the Spirit. You go back to Ephesians chapter 5, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Be filled with the Spirit. When we allow the Holy Spirit to live in us and in an active way, we participate with the Holy Spirit in our lives. When He comes in to dwell, well, Jesus said this. He said that when the Spirit comes, He will lead you into all truth. And the more that we live our lives in the truth, the wiser we will become, the better our lives will be, the more our lives will be squared away, if you will, in the way that we live. And to the, you know, to the amount of ability that we are able to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, we will find ourselves in better and better situations in our own lives. Here's, here's also some pastoral encouragement Again, this is, uh, you know, Scripture doesn't mandate this for us, but uh, I, I think it's a, it's a good thing. 
is that I would, I would encourage you to work doubly hard uh, to retire your indebtedness. If you have debt, if you've got credit card debt, you've got a car loan, you have a loan on your house or whatever, I would encourage you to double down on that and get your debt retired. Again, that's a good thing. Uh, you know, how would it change your life if you were not in debt? Would that be a good thing? Yeah, it seems kind of impossible, right? But yeah, that would be amazing. If you didn't have a mortgage to pay or you didn't have a payment to make on your, on your car or you know, whatever it is. Now, having a car and having a toy or whatever, those, those are wonderful things. And, uh, and I hope that you have the things that uh, you know, make you happy in all of that. But, but I would encourage you to do it without using debt. And you know, it is a good thing to not be in debt, not have outstanding indebtedness when times are bad. How many knows that that would be true? When there's the specter of losing your job or, or something to that effect, you know, that was a possibility. Would you rather not be in debt? Would you rather have your house paid off? Would you rather have your car paid off? You know, whatever, whatever it is. Student loans, I guess we should mention that. Getting your student loans paid off. It's good not to be in debt when times are difficult, and guess what? It's even better to not be in debt when times are good. <laughs> and either way, it's a win. And if we're able to experience, you know, a more relaxed season, you know, maybe, you know, we feel like, you know, things are going to relax here in a little bit. I would take this time, I would take this, this opportunity to just get rid of debt. And again, this pastoral encouragement, this is something I would just recommend uh, just like abstinence from alcohol, I will recommend, you know, being out of debt. You can do a lot of things with debt. I know you can get a lot of toys. You can, you know, buy a bigger house. You can do, you know, go on vacations and all that if you just charge it and you have debt. But you know what? It is better for you. It is better for you to not be in debt. And, and God will help you with that. And it is possible. And with a, a little commitment and prayer, God will make it happen in your life. And when times will get tough, you know, we, I, I can prophesy to you today. I can say, you know what? Times are going to be good. And eventually that will be true. I'm going to say times are going to be difficult. And guess what? Eventually that will be true. Because <laughs> we have good times and we have times that are more difficult. And if we can prepare ourselves, if we put ourselves in a position of the wise then we can weather times, whether they're good, those are easy to weather, but also the times are difficult, we can weather that better. Not only that, but we will be in a position to maybe help others who are less prepared than we are. So I would encourage that. That's pastoral encouragement. Again, that's, you've gotten a double dip of pastoral encouragement today, okay? And I just, I think that's good, good, solid uh, biblical advice for us. So, Instead of living as unwise, we are to live as spiritual people. Speak to each other in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What does that mean? It means to cultivate spiritual relationships with each other. You know, that we just have the opportunity. You know, when we come together, we have the opportunity to pray for each other. Maybe just in a conversation, somebody say, you know, it's been difficult, or, you know, this situation happened, this caught us off guard, or whatever. And, and just take the opportunity right there, instead of just offering sympathy, is that we can offer prayer for each other. And psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, if you will. Again, we can just come together, not only in our worship, but in our spiritual encouragement to each other. 
Giving thanks is a theme that is recommended in Scripture and, and submitting to each other in the fear of God. What does that mean? It means to serve each other. It means to help each other. It means to, to put our arms around each other and help each other along. We need to learn how to cultivate spiritual relationships. You know, you can be a Christian, you can, be, you can go to church every Sunday and not have spiritual relationships with people. I mean, that's, that's possible. Just because you go to church doesn't mean you have spiritual relationships. Spiritual relationships mean doing spiritual things. Prayer, encouragement, all of those things um, are, are part of that. You know, it can feel foreign and awkward if we haven't been doing it. But it's much deeper than just making small talk or debating the merits of, you know, who's going to win the Super Bowl. It, Super Bowl's today, right? Yep, today. All right. And... Um, uh, you know, beyond those sort of trivial and, and superficial uh, things that we can spend our time talking about, we can also, also pray. It's not, it's not a bad thing to discuss, you know, whether or not the Bengals are going to win uh, over the Rams today. That's not a bad thing. But let's not make it the only thing. Let's, let's have some deeper relationship with each other. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 7 says this. It says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. That makes sense. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so let's, let's be spiritually minded. Let's, let's uh, develop ourselves with spiritual relationships with each other and, uh, and explore where that goes and see what, where the Holy Spirit will lead us in times like this. So all of that, you know, living our lives wisely, developing spiritual relationships with each other is all for the mission that God has called us to. Uh, we need to pray. You know, Jesus, when he was talking about, you know, the time of the end and a season of trouble that will come on the, on the world and on the planet, he, he encouraged us to pray. He says, pray. Pray that your flight not be in winter. So we have the ability, uh, apparently, because Jesus told us to pray, to, to change things with our prayer. And uh, we have the ability to, to do that. So we can pray. We can pray for the lost to come to know Jesus as their Savior. In a few weeks, we're going to be giving you invitation cards to hand out to your friends for our Resurrection Day celebration. It's going to be at the high school again this year. And, and it's going to be a great opportunity to just invite somebody to come to church on Easter Sunday. And uh, it's just one way that we can maybe encourage people along to just come and discover who God is. We can evangelize those whom Jesus places in our path and just reach out to them, care for one another, and rediscover ways to do this. I think, you know, in good times we kind of let that go because, you know, we have fewer needs. But I think it's going to be important to rediscover how to care for one another and, and then to stay aware, don't be drunk with wine, and to prepare to do your best to position yourself to, to be out of debt. I think those are very practical ways that we can uh, develop ourselves in a way that will serve not only our own needs, but the needs of others and put us in the position to be able to speak into other people's lives. And that's what I believe God wants us to be about that business. So as we bring this to a close today, we want to encourage you, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and Lord, that's where all of this begins. And uh, receiving Him as your Savior and Lord is the number one important thing to do with your life 
right now. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin is a problem. Sin is what is wrecking our world right now. Sin is a big problem. And we are all sinners. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. That's what sin brings, death. And in the ultimate sense, when we die, we die in our sin, we experience eternal death. But there's good news. Romans 6.23 goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And all we have to do is admit that. Jesus, I am a sinner. I have sinned. Second step, we move on from admitting to belief. Romans 10 says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with mouth, the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. What do we believe? What is this belief that brings us to a place of righteousness? It's to believe that Jesus is willing and able to forgive you of all your sin. You know, there's sin that we can't even forgive ourselves from. But Jesus can. Let me say this, is that you are not the greatest sinner that has ever lived. I know we all think, you know, yeah, well, I know Jesus can forgive sin, but you know, this, this situation in my life, nobody can forgive that. No, Jesus can forgive you because he paid for your forgiveness with his body and his blood on the cross. And if we'll confess him as our Savior and Lord, Romans 10:9 goes on to say, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So, scary things are coming. <laughs> whether they are tomorrow or whether they never happen, well, they will eventually happen because Scripture does say that they will happen. So, whether they happen tomorrow, whether they happen in a long time from now, that's up to the Lord. But what about you? What about you today? Would you make Jesus your Savior and Lord? And settle that right off the bat. Would you bow your heads with me, Heavenly Father? We thank you that salvation is not something we have to work towards. We have to earn that somehow if we're good enough or if we clean up our lives enough that you will grant us salvation. Lord, we thank you that all we have to do is ask because Lord, while we're trying to pay for our sins that we've already sinned, we're creating new sin and we'll just, we'll just never get there. So Lord, I pray today that anyone who is here and reaches out to you and says, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to come into my heart. Holy Spirit, would you come and live inside of me and begin to direct me so that I can live as wise and not as fools. All the things that are yet to come, help me to prepare myself well. Lord, that I can meet my own needs. But Lord, I'll also be prepared to meet the needs of others and to share with them this hope that I found in Jesus. So Lord, would you come into my heart today? Would you forgive me of all my sin and help me as I start and begin this journey of being a Christian and ask for your help today and every day. In Jesus' name, amen.